You're listening to the Denver Real Estate Investing Podcast, brought to you by RICO, your local guide for all things real estate investing in Colorado. What's up, Colorado? Chris Lopez here, and this is our third episode in our three-part series on State of the Market. The other two, I did one on house hacking and one on rental investing as a landlord. This one is for more advanced investors. Investors with existing portfolios from like one to 15 properties is the common range that I talk with. So on this podcast, we're going to talk about how do you optimize your portfolio and not just optimize, but where's the opportunity in your portfolio? We talk about this changing market, changing markets equal opportunities. So the best place to look is your current portfolio because almost every portfolio I look at, there's always one or two opportunities, usually a lot more. So in this episode, we're going to cover four steps to identify the opportunities in your portfolio, then four common properties that we see here in Colorado. Plus, we'll talk about the number one mistake we see landlords. So to get into it, I got my friend and co-host and lender, Joe Massey. Joe, what's up? Nice to see you, Chris. Appreciate you having me back on the podcast. I'm excited to talk about this because this is a big part of what I do every single day is review portfolios, find inefficiencies, find ways that people can improve. Um, Sometimes we say, don't do anything, right? 20% of the clients we meet with, I'm like, your portfolio is in great shape. Don't do anything. Maybe that's you out there listening, or maybe you're going to learn something and find some ways that we can help you improve. Yeah, this is something I'm excited about because we do a lot of this with our mutual clients and Mm -hmm. you know clients that we work with all over the place. And plus, you and I just talk a lot like about general ideas and strategies. So that's why I want to join the podcast. Absolutely. Thanks. So step one is not sexy, but it's very important. It's organize your portfolio or get a portfolio reality check. How's it performing? Joe, when I say organize your portfolio, what pops in your mind? You know what? You need to double check your spreadsheets. You need to double check what you have for your rents. Um, I like to think that I'm very sophisticated and I track all my stuff. When we were prepping this the other day, I looked at my stuff. Some of the information on my spreadsheets is outdated by like 18 months, right? You think when, hey, I buy this property, I'm going to be looking at it every single day. No, you're not. Life gets in the way and all of a sudden it's been a while since you've looked at it. So you've got to gather all that information. What type of loans do you have on it? What's your current balances? What are your market rents? Make sure you've got all of that updated information because you feel in your mind, my properties are doing really well. And that's probably true. But to really organize that portfolio, you want to know what are the hard numbers. Exactly. And not only gather the hard numbers, but also the, we often say investing's art and science. The numbers, the science, there's also the art. How do you feel about the property? Is that your headache property? Is that just, ah, there's always something wrong with that property? Like oftentimes you have an emotional ties with the property, good or bad, doesn't matter. That is worth counting for as well because it's another way to find opportunities in your portfolio. Yep. Um, So gather all the information and get it up to date no matter where you put it. Uh, We're doing a lot more work on Property Llama, which is our software that we have custom built for helping to analyze portfolios. Go create a free account. The link is in the show notes, also in the packet that you can download with this podcast. And in a few minutes, we'll actually be going through Property Llama, looking at a few properties. We've done exactly step one. We got the data in the system. Quick little comment. You think that it's going to take a long time to gather all this information, put it into Property Llama. I tracked it the very first time I used it. It took me about seven minutes to put in my first property. And by the time I'd put in several more, I was down to like three minutes per property to input the information and then have a real clear picture of my portfolio. So 
even if you've got a big portfolio, less than an hour to get a really clear view of where you stand. So I would highly encourage all of our listeners to use this. Step two, not directly related to your portfolio, but it's review your goals and strategy. Joe, when I come to you and I say, hey, I'm thinking about this property here, you often say, okay, what are you doing here? What's in five years? What's your plans? You ask me about my goals, my strategy. Why is that? Well, because I ask the number one question that a lot of people hate. Well, Chris, why do you want to buy a new property? What are you looking to accomplish, right? And then everybody sort of rolls their eyes. They're like, well, because I want to become wealthy. I want more properties. I'm like, okay, that's cool. I can help you with that. But take a step back just for a minute. What are you trying to accomplish? Where are you trying to get? Why do you want to do this? And I just really like to understand that. Maybe you want to have money for your kid's college fund. Maybe you want retirement, whatever. But don't forget, every time you're looking at a property, look at that long-term vision, that long-term plan, and then look at the numbers of the property and say, does this now line up with my long-term vision, my long-term plan? Yeah, you did put it such a great way because the point of property is help you get towards your goal. Mm -hmm. And if we know where you're going... We can't give you advice on the property. That's right. And so, you know, just in, in general, and of course, Joe and I are not financial advisors. We're not lawyers. We're not accountants. Always talk with your trusted professionals uh, in their respected industries to make sure you get the right data. But I, what I did, I recommend everyone do is do like a global review. Like I did over my goals and strategies and real estate's a big part of it. But I have mm -hmm. other things in my goals besides real estate. So do all your goals. I do my entire portfolio, my stocks and bonds. And yep. it's fun seeing how much they've dropped the last couple of months. Yeah. Um, and you see real estate. But get a little more tactical here. Like be realistic about your financial position. Like I'll say, oh, I'm going to keep six months of cash in the bank account. Then I go check. And sometimes it's way more and sometimes it's way less. I'm like, oh, okay. Another mm -hmm. reality check like you're saying. I kind of thought it was that way, but I was kind of wrong. Yep. Um, and then this also comes down to what phase in your life. Uh, you know, a lot of our clients, they're starting families. Hey, if you set your goals two years ago and now you have a six month old, you're in a different phase of your life. That's right. Not right or wrong. You're in that phase and that adjusts your goals and strategies and usually, you know, sucks away some time and money as well. Yep. Um, figure out what's working, what's not, what changes you want to make. As a reminder, we actually have our 2022 edition for the Colorado Real Estate Investing Strategies book coming out, uh, should be in late July, maybe early August. Lots of investors, including Joe, mm -hmm. a lot of our clients have written their strategies on there. So make sure you grab a copy of it. I wrote mine so long ago, I'm excited to see what it says. I know, that uh, <laughs> did take a long get out. Just teasing. What's happened though? Here's the horrible thing. Last year, the COVID screwed it up. This year, the interest rates, I'm like, man, the written word is hard, but it's I, fun to see strategies and how they adapt. Oh, I can't wait to read it and see where I, what I wrote uh, a few months ago. I'll oh, naive as, Joe back I'll be then, just huh? as surprised as everybody else. <laughs> um, step three is identifying your opportunities. And this is, I'd say, like the meat of it. Like the other mm -hmm. two things are, are getting your ducks in order. And then this is the meat of it. What are the opportunities? And there's two main parts to it. One is current performance and then seeing what your options are. Mm -hmm. And I think there's two lenses to look through that as well, not just current performance and scenarios, but also the financial numbers and the operations on the property. Yep. Joe, when I'm reviewing people's portfolios, I have a number one mistake. Mm -hmm. I want to hear what the number one mistake you see landlords making before I share mine. What's the common mistake you see? The number one mistake I see is your properties are not at market rent. And I am guilty of this. I have several properties that are rented below market rate because it is difficult to keep up with massive increases in rents whenever a tenant renews, right? Because you want to say, okay, you're renting this for $2,000 a month. 
I could put it back on the market at 2,300, but you're a really nice tenant. I really like you. You're really good. I'm going to rent it to you for $2,050, right? And that's the most common mistake, which we could debate on whether or not it's a mistake or not, because you're not having vacancy. But the number one thing I see is rents are below market rent. I totally agree. And a lot of times I see even more severe than that. You're talking like kind of lagging one or two years, Mm -hmm. which is, hey, that's just part of having a year-long lease. I see a lot of people are lagging like four or five years. Oh, here's a three-bedroom, two-bath place running for $1,200 a month. That is just very, very low. Um, And again, as you said, hey, it's people's decisions and perceptions. But when you're analyzing the property, you got to analyze that market rent and today's numbers and realize that is a business decision you're making to purposely lower your revenue. That's right. Um, not right. Not right or wrong, but... This is business, this is investing, wear that hat. Mm-hmm. So as we go through these properties, we'll talk about rents. Um, you know, we're big fans of looking at like a cap rate, uh, looking at return on equity, your overall loan to value, and your current cash flow is like four key metrics help us kind of determine what to do with the property. And then as always, figure out what's important to you. Mm-hmm. Joe and I will throw in a few other things as we look at these properties, but hey, you might have certain metrics. Great. Use those metrics. Don't use the ones Joe and I use. Yeah, use the ones that make sense yeah. for you. But have metrics to objectively analyze your property. Um, and then you gather all that to say, how's a property performing today? And then you go into running scenarios. And Joe, you did a great job here because I literally copied like seven of your bullet points from your, your prep email. What are some Thanks. common scenarios that we see? Can you sell the property, right? Can you sell it and get cash and reinvest that cash into another property? Can you sell the property and get cash and pay off other debts? Can you sell the property and put the money into the stock market? Maybe you want to do that, maybe not, but sell the property and do something else with the proceeds. Um, Number two, can you take cash out of it, right? A lot of people have a ton of equity, which we're going to look at some scenarios. Could you do a new 30-year fixed rate mortgage or an adjustable rate? take cash out of the property up to 75%. Is it going to be at a higher rate than what you have now? Probably. But can you reinvest that money and make a spread on that? Probably you can. Um, Or a lot of people say, well, you know what, Joe? I don't want to refinance my mortgage because I love that 3.5% rate I've got. Okay. You can do a second mortgage, right? Now it's going to be at a higher interest rate, but maybe you could even take additional cash out. And can you go reinvest that cash and earn a spread on it? Yes, you probably can. Can you take enough cash out to just pay cash for one or two properties? Or if you're still you know, in the rapid acquisition phase, maybe take enough cash out to buy two or three or four properties and get new loans to buy those. There's lots of opportunities when you have a ton of equity, which many people in the current market do have a ton of equity. Yeah. And let's talk about the current opportunities because we want to emphasize this a lot. Uh, prices have gone up. Interest rates have gone up. That compresses cash flow, compresses returns. Mm-hmm. And so, but a big return we've got in the last couple of years is equity. Yep. So opportunity, like you said, is equity in the market, how to deploy the equity in one form or the other, how to re-leverage, since leverage is key to building uh, wealth, mm-hmm. and getting your rents to market rate, or at yep. least having that dis- self-discussion term if you want to or not. Yep. Those are the three biggest opportunities we see in the marketplace. Um, and we'll talk more about that as we go through these, these four properties here in a minute. The last step is once you do that is write your action plan. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a big difference between thinking about something, talking about something versus writing something. Big reason why we are proponents of writing chapters in the book or writing your action plan. Yeah. Now, the action plan can be whatever format you want to. We put together one a few months ago when we did our portfolio analysis mastermind. 
email us. We can send you a copy of it or go download off the website. Yep. Uh, just a one-page Word doc kind of helps you run through what we just talked about. But once you know what you want to do, write the action plan. And this should be something that if I've never talked to you before and I'm leaving a, a local real estate meetup and it falls out of your briefcase and I pick it up, I can read what your situation is like and know what your plan is like without ever talking to you. Mm-hmm. That's right. Um, wants to be, you want it to be clear and succinct. And maybe it's a page, maybe it's a paragraph, maybe it's two pages, but these are the steps that I am taking to get me to my goal. Remember earlier, the why? Yeah. All right. That's the first question we ask. And then this is the how. What steps are you taking to get to where you want to go for your why? All right. So those are four steps. And now we're going to kind of shift to looking at four properties here. And we're going to look through a primary residence. Uh, We're going to look through an investment condo, an investment multifamily, and an investment single family. Now, every investor, every portfolio is different. Mm -hmm. That's one of the big reasons like you and I, you know, enjoy helping people figure it out because it's always a different game. It's always a slightly different solution to their unique problem. Uh, But with that said, we cannot cover every single scenario in a broad stroke in a 30-minute podcast. But we're going to generalize this really towards the growth-focused investor. These are people like you and me, Joe. Hey, we have a handful of properties. We're still in growth mode. We still want more future cash flow and more future net worth. And that's probably the majority of our clients, right? I think so. Yep. And you'd be amazed. Some people say, oh, I'm an older investor. I'm a younger investor. I'm not looking to acquire or whatever. This is not age-based. One of my favorite clients, um, he's in his 60s, came by last week and said, hey, Joe, I need to sell one of my properties because it's a poor performing asset. And I need to take cash out of one of my other properties because I need to sell this and buy a bigger property. Here's the one I found. This is what I want. So he's still growth focused and he's in his 60s, right? Great guy. And I'm like, absolutely, we're happy to help. You know, So think through where you're at and what you're looking to accomplish. And he might be more like an income focus, you know, mm-hmm. which would be more like a bonds person, stock market. Hey, pay for properties. Great. Yep. We definitely help you out with that as well. But through this, we're really focused on that growth focus investor. And I love that you reminded, don't get focused on age because that does not matter. Yeah. Doesn't matter. <clears throat> All right. So property one is a primary residence. Here's a question that I think every person owns property in Denver for the last couple of years asked themselves. Are you sitting on a pile of equity? And generally, the answer is... If you live in Denver, yes, you are. <laughs> yes. Um, and so what I did here is this is uh, just my own primary residence. Rough numbers here. I purchased this in 2018, about four years ago, for about $640,000, which was expensive back then. Mm-hmm. Um, my loan, which I have since refinanced with Joe, is currently at 2.5%, 30-year fixed, at about 550 total loan balance. Mm-hmm. I got an appraisal done two weeks ago, and it came at a million a million five thousand dollars in total of that. So about a million dollars. And the reason I got the appraisal is because I went through a whole decision tree on how do I want to tap into my equity, mm-hmm. deploy it to continue growing my portfolio. So Joe, I mean, you're one of the guys I talked to as I did this. So I say, mm-hmm. Joe, here's my situation. What do we do as we analyze someone's primary like this? We just walk through all of the options. And here's the important point that I share with every investor. I'm going to give you all the options and I'm not going to tell you one is right or wrong. My job is to give you the scenarios, the pros and cons of each one, and then you pick. So you could certainly sell and take the money with no capital gains. This has been your primary residence for the last two years. You could sell and, you know, minus fees and commissions, you would net, what, $350,000, $360,000, and then you could go buy something else. Now, the challenge with that, where are you going to buy? What Do you what, do you want to pack up your family? Do you want to move? Nope. Probably not, right? No, I do not want to move right now. I don't want to, I got my kids, my wife, school district. No. Everybody's happy. Right? Yep. 
you could do a cash out refinance, right? So you could say, okay, Joe, I want to take cash out up to 75, 70, 75, 80%. We can pay off that existing loan balance, give you cash. Pros and cons to that. Number one, going to be at a higher interest rate than two and a half percent. I don't want to lose my 2.5. Okay, that's cool. But here's the benefit of it. It's fixed, right? It's inflation protected. What's the number one word being used in the news right now is inflation. (laughs) If you do a cash out (laughs) refinance and it's fixed, that's inflation protected because it doesn't go up. But you said you don't want to do that. Okay, totally cool. You could do a second mortgage. All right, second mortgage is generally going to be fixed over a period of 5, 10, 15, 20, even 30 years. What's the trade-off though? It's fixed, but it's now in second position. So it's going to be a higher interest rate, maybe six, seven, eight percent depending on how much cash you want to take out. So like a, a couple percent higher than like uh, prevailing owner rock rates? Correct. Okay. Yep. A second mortgage is always higher risk. So it's in risk, uh, interest rates are determined by risk. So a higher risk loan is going to have a higher interest rate. So you might take out, let's just call it, on a fixed rate second. Maybe it would be at 7.5%. Between the two, two 2.5% on the first and and 7.5% on the second, you're going to have a blended interest rate of, what, 4.5%? Still not bad. But you do have to swallow that every month you're going to get a statement that says, hey, you're at 7% on Mm -hmm. this second mortgage. And that's okay if it's okay for you. Next option is a home equity line of credit. All right, This is one that a lot of people like to use. I love these. I think they're great, but I do think you need to understand what it is. It's a gigantic credit card. It's a second mortgage on your home. It's adjustable. All right. What's been happening with interest rates lately on adjustable rates? Have they been changing? Yeah, they're going up. Yeah, they're going up. HELOCs are also scheduled to go up another three times this year, probably another one and a half percent before the end of the year. Now, a lot of my clients like these because it's an opportunity to tap into their equity. And if you don't use the cash, you don't make any payments on it. But if you do use the cash, you're going to start making payments and those payments are likely to increase. Now that's okay with me. I'm comfortable with it. I would want to make sure that you or the client is comfortable with it and understand that is not inflation protected, right? That is going to increase right along with inflation. And so if you think inflation is going to continue to go up, continue to be a problem, if you take out a HELOC, your payments are likely to go up and just make sure you've got a plan for making sure that that's okay. Um, And again, not a good or bad loan program. It's what's right for you. The next thing, you could do nothing. You could stay right there and say, you know what? I'm in good shape. I don't want to tap into that equity. I'm happy where I'm at. I don't want to make any changes. Cool. No problem. Or you could move out of the house and turn it into a rental. What would this rent for every month? Not enough. Yeah. Based on that. 3,500 bucks. Yeah, I mean, probably 4,000. Yeah. So that's what a two... 30 to 40 GRM gross rent know. multiplier. Probably a, not a good a very, very poor one. I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> but this is exactly what I do with every client is let's mm-hmm. walk through each of these scenarios. Let's look at the pros and cons. And of course we get into the details. Um, and then Mr. Client, what makes sense for you? Yeah. And drum roll, I went through and decided to do a HELOC. Mm-hmm. I'm in the process of, uh, I'm probably like two or three weeks from closing at time of recording. Uh, like the HELOC option because I want to keep my fixed 2.5%. Um, I'm fine with some interest rate risk since everything else is fixed low interest rate. Mm-hmm. I can take a little bit variability on there. Plus, I like the idea I can write checks to go out there and buy some properties, invest in businesses, go out there and just have a couple of thousand dollars in the line of credit. Mm-hmm. Um, something too that's always worth noting because you have a change your lending business, Joe. One of the things that you're doing now is you're able to offer HELOCs on yep. primary residences, right? That's correct. So a lot of times up until like, I think a month ago or two months ago, 
you didn't have an option. Now you do. That's right. So I think it's great for everyone to know. I can't recall all the details, but you showed me a few weeks ago yeah. after some of their application has very, very competitive terms because yep. I called a bunch of credit unions mm-hmm. and you're in that really, really good uh, terms. So definitely talk with Joe if you guys want to HELOC. Yep, absolutely. We do that. We can help you with it, but we're still going to go th- through this full analysis because oh, yeah. I want to make sure everybody understands what you're getting into. Maybe a fixed rate makes sense. Maybe a HELOC makes sense. Maybe doing nothing makes sense. That's okay, but we want to make sure you have all of your scenarios. All right, so that is property one, primary residence. And so figure out what you want to do with your primary. You can sit on it, rent it out, take out cash, but it is a property in your portfolio. And a lot of times it's the biggest asset, the biggest equity asset that's the easiest to tap into that most landlords own. Now, for the next couple of screens, we're going to go through three properties, a condo, a fourplex, and a single family home. And we're going to switch over to Property Llama because these are properties that I put in here uh, to review. So we'll start with a condo here, and this is a condo, typical like three-bed, two-bath, a lot of the ones we've talked about and bought over the years in Aurora mm-hmm. uh, and parts of Denver, very, very common. So for this investor, they bought it in 2017, brought a $150,000 purchase price, 25% down, and their interest rate currently is about a 3.5%. So this okay. person bought it. Bought at a higher interest rate, but they refinanced the last couple of years when rates were low and did a terms-only refinance Mm -hmm. to get a low interest rate. So it was a heads-up play for this investor. Very smart. Cash flow is about $700 a month, so strong cash flow. So the metrics we're looking at is cash flow, $700 a month. Return equity, below 10%. Loan to value, 32%. And about a 4.8% cap rate. So, I mean, decent cap rate, Mm -hmm. low LTV. Good cash flow, yep. Relatively low return equity, because now the property's worth about three hundred thousand dollars is what they're selling for over there. So that's like two hundred thousand dollars in equity. Yeah, that equity has gone up, which is great, but it's not necessarily getting you a return other than just continuing to grow. Yeah, right. Which is okay, but maybe there's some other options. So for options on here, I mean, we can run through based the same options the other ones. Hey, yeah. do nothing. We know the returns we're getting. Yep, nothing wrong with that. We can sell it, do a 1031, and you'll walk away with, you know, 160 or uh, what? Uh, 100, yeah, about 160. Yeah, 160 minus loan balance, so about $60,000 mm-hmm. to throw uh, into a new property. No, your current value is 301. Oh, you you're right. With about 160,000 net. You're right. Thank yeah. you. About 160,000 net. Now, here's how you can kind of start determining should I sell and trade up or should I potentially do a cash out refinance? I like to look at cap rate for this. Um, this is about a 4.8% cap rate, mm-hmm. which is pretty decent in the current market. Yep. Um, so based on that, I kind of shy away from selling I agree. just because you know I'm going to go out there and buy another property. Since I don't want to go out there, I want to buy more of a turnkey asset. Mm-hmm. I'll be in a 1031, means I'll be a little bit less picky. I'll probably be buying between like a high four to like mid five, maybe high five cap rate. So not a huge jump up in there. You know, going from three to four cap rates, way bigger than four to five or five to six. Right. Um, so I lean away from selling it based on the cap rate. I agree with that. I also quickly look at the gross rent multiplier, 301000 divided by $2,050 in rent. That's a 146 GRM. That's still very positive in this market. Difficult to find a replacement property that's that good of a GRM. Mm-hmm. So I agree with the cap rate, because that's but that's a more in-depth analysis. But as a quick bullet point check, 
Look at the gross rent multiplier. This is good. I want to keep it. All right. So that kind of leads us over to the, the potential refinance side. Mm-hmm. So three main refinances is a brand new cash out refinance. Yep. 75% uh, loan to value. Correct. But that'll be a brand new loan. And I'm going to lose my 3.5% interest rate, Joe. I'm not sure if I want to do that. That's true. So maybe we should look at a second mortgage. But keep in mind, it's going to be at a higher rate. Depending on how much cash you want to take, maybe it's 8%, 10%, maybe even as much as 12%. And so then we do an analysis on a blended rate of if you've got 3% or 35 on your first and 12% on your second, yeah, maybe you can walk away with $170,000, but what are the payments? What's your blended rate? Does it make sense to do that? Does it make sense to take cash out on the first mortgage? Yeah. It just depends. Because I mean, real rough numbers, I'd have about a $100,000 balance at 35 mm-hmm. and say $100,000 balance at 8 or 9%. Mm-hmm. Where's that blend together? Yeah, but between the two, the, you're going to be right around six, well, about 6%. Yeah, and that might determine that. Then you say, hey, if I did a brand, a full cash flow refi, what's going to be better for me? Yeah, maybe I'm at 5.875 or six. Who knows? But you're also doing second positions on investment properties now. I think I came out the same time you started doing HELOCs, and you'll mm-hmm. go up. The big difference there is you get a higher leverage. Yeah, you can buy 90%. Yeah, 90%. That's the difference. You get up to 15% more leverage, 75 versus 90. That's right. But it's not a HELOC. It's a second mortgage. It's a fixed rate loan. Um, but yeah, you can take what, 170 some odd thousand dollars cash out of this property. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of money, particularly if you're going to reinvest it. If you're just going to put it in your savings account, I probably wouldn't do that. Yes. But if you're going to use that money to get a return somewhere else could be great. And so we're going to run through these scenarios, next couple properties as well. So let's go and talk about investment or HELOCs on investment properties. Very, very, very hard to find. Mm -hmm. A lot of banks don't do them. And when they do, a lot of times they have a very low, like combined loan to value. Like mm-hmm. last time I checked, I was getting like 65, 70% max, meaning between my current mortgage yep. and the new HELOC. So a lot of times it's not a huge amount of equity. Now I could get some into here. Yeah. But if I'm staying at, you know, it's still a very, very low amount. The other important point, it's not a HELOC, it's a BLOC, it's a business line of credit. <laughs> so you have to renew it every year. So you have to reapply every year. Um, to get a business line of credit on an investment property. Oh, really? Whereas if you get a fixed rate second mortgage, it's fixed for 30 years, right? Yeah. Making principal and interest payments, but that's the distinction in a lot of banks. First off, it's not a HELOC because it's not a home, right? It's a investment property. Mm. So it's a business line of credit that, and again, this is not something I offer, but if you go to your commercial bank and you want a line of credit on your investment property, exactly what Chris said, 65, maybe 70% maximum LTV, It'll generally be a one-year term, and you have to reapply every year. So kind of going forward, we'll kind of forget investment HELOCs because I've had, I can't think anyone's actually done one. It's either been a full refi, a sell, sometimes a second. Um, And so that's it for the condo. Um, So great way to analyze it. Went through a lot here. So you might want to go back and play this again. But of course, this is why we like to sit down with our clients and discuss options because it's very nuanced. So moving on to the next property, we are going to be looking at the multifamily next. So this is a fourplex, you know, so kind of standard thing around Denver, 1960s multifamily, um, all brick. Uh, This client bought in 2017 for about a $650,000 purchase price, fourplex or for a fourplex back then, you know, 25% down payment. So fast forward today, five years, a couple months later, uh, it's worth you know between a million to one point one million dollars, bringing in a monthly rent of about sixty two hundred dollars a month. But here's the big thing: 
sitting on about $660,000 worth of equity between some loan paid or you know, loan pay down, but also just lots of market appreciation. We are seeing about just over $1,000 a month in cash flow, 8.2% current cash on cash return, and about 4.2% cap rate. So Joe, a couple different numbers on here that it could go either way. Mm-hmm. What's kind of your initial initial reaction or analysis on Yeah, here. first thing I look at is the gross rent multiplier. This is a 177 GRM. Not great, not horrible in the current market, but not great. So my first question is, is it below market rents, right? Should we be renting it for a higher price? Great question. What are the lease terms on this? Um, number two, is this an indication that this property has kind of peaked in its GRM, right? Because we know there's been a big run-up in multi-units is it a good time to sell? I don't advocate trying to time the market, but maybe this is an opportunity to sell this property because your value is outrunning your rents. And at some point in the future, when you go to sell it, you might not get as much value compared to rents as you think. Um, And you have a ton of equity in there. There's $660,000. Now you could take cash out of it. You cannot get a second mortgage on a multi-unit like this. So your options are do nothing, take cash out up to 70% because it's a multi-unit. So you could still get, what, uh, eh, $300,000 cash out. Of course, going to have a higher interest rate, higher payment, um, or sell it and trade into something else, which might make sense in the current market. There's still some efficiencies in condos and townhomes that maybe we could sell this for $1.1 million and buy three condos that are you know $350,000 each and see if we can get additional cash flow. Maybe, maybe not, right? It depends on what you would replace it with. Yeah, and that's where it comes up as you look at this is what's the replacement property? Is it a better rental or a, lo- uh, a worse rental? So a higher cap rate uh, or a lower cap rate? Now I look at cap rate, Joe looks at GRMs. because so if you sell, you need to generally buy a better performing property and use leverage to really maximize returns. But I'm not a big fan of selling properties into lower performing rentals. I agree. But let me ask you something. Let me throw a wrinkle in there. This property is at a higher price range, $1.1 million. There's fewer people that can buy this. Mm-hmm. So theoretically, this is not going to theoretically, this is not going to appreciate as fast as a first-time entry-level product like a $350,000 condo. Right. So let's just say this is going to appreciate at 5% because there's fewer people that can afford it. If I were to trade out of this into three $350,000 condos that are going to appreciate at 10 or 12% because there's very limited uh, availability at those lower price ranges, yes, my cap rate might be worse in a condo, but am I going to get greater appreciation and greater return on investment, mm-hmm. right? And then maybe in the future, I sell those three condos and trade back into a multi-unit when it's the right time. I don't know, yep. but these are the conversations that you got to think through. Oh, yeah. I mean, with that amount of equity in there, you got tons of options from selling, refinancing, some creative ways to do 1031s and pulling out cash at closing. Like, there's a lot of creative things you do to tap in the equity. Mm-hmm. And again, there's no one broad stroke. Yep. And maybe you don't do anything. Maybe you're really yeah. happy with the cash flow. Because what is this one cash flow? I'll go scroll down a little, uh, a little over $1,000 a month. Yeah, that's pretty nice. Yeah, $1,200, $1,300 a month. Right. Maybe you just say, you know what? I really mm-hmm. like this one. Cool. Don't do anything with it. And these rents are slightly below market. Um, Yeah. So again, this is where you look at how the property is performing and always go back to operations. Well, I've had some clients say, oh, this property is a giant headache. I'm going to get rid of it. So I ask a few more questions. I'm like, well, the problem isn't the property. It's the person that's managing the property, which is you. 
So what's changing if you sell that property, that property, like you're swapping out roommates, but you're still leaving dirty dishes in the sink. You know, still being the annoying roommate. Yeah. You got to change your habit or hire a PM or whatever it is. Like I've had that conversation. It's like, well, maybe your property manager fixes this. Yeah. Or it might be your bad property manager. Right. Could be you, could be your PM. Yep. Um, So lots of things to talk about here. So the next property is going to be a single family home. And I think this is where the majority of landlords have the most opportunities are in single family homes um, in terms of options on what they can do. So this is a uh, like a three bedroom, two bath house, four bedroom, two bath house down the suburbs, purchased like Littleton Highlands Ranch area, kind of standard suburbs, you know, 1960s, 1970s build. This investor bought it in 2016 for about $420,000. And now fast forward today, I mean, it's worth close to $750,000, between $700,000 and $750,000. Home run. Yeah. So, I mean, Great huge purchase. appreciation on there. Yep. Um, but now it's getting about $3,000 uh, a month in rent, which is probably a little bit low. Um, actually, no, I'll take that back. It Depending on, I, I said that for the value, but part of the issue with this property was it's a, it was a three or four, I think it's actually a three bedroom house. And so we're not seeing the really high rents, like four thousand dollars, to in your four or five bedroom house, because everyone right. wants more space right now. That's right. So that was one of the comments I want to make on this property. Um, annual cash flow is about twenty five hundred dollars a year. Not much. So two hundred bucks a month. Yeah, not great. Um, low LTV, about forty three percent loan to value, and so low three cap rate and a high GRM. So that's what you look at. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. The two numbers there, total equity, 421,000, annual cash flow, 2,500 bucks, all right? And we're gonna ignore everything else for a minute. Chris, I want you to deposit $421,000 into my bank, okay? And I'm gonna give you $2,500 a, a year. Is that a good return? No. Okay, would you would you make that deal with me? No. Okay, every single day that the investor continues to own this property, that's the deal they're making. Now, I understand there's appreciation, there's tax benefits, et cetera, but you want to look at how much is that total equity that's not being used because all it's being used for is that cash flow. Is that a good deal? You say no. All right. You might think about doing something different, which I think on this one, sell it. The property is the rents are never going to catch up to that value. Right now is a great time to sell this property, walk away with 400 and some odd thousand dollars of equity. Use that to pay cash for another property, right? If I sold this property, now, maybe it's, uh, I can't 1031 if I'm going to pay cash for the next property, but sell it, pay some taxes on it, buy another property for $350,000. Maybe I could buy a townhome or something in Colorado Springs for 350 single family residents that I can rent for $3,000 a month. Would you rather have $3,000 a month in cash flow or $2,500 a year? I'll go that. Yeah, I mean, the higher cash flow, obviously. Absolutely. So think through in this case, I think you sell this. Um, pay some capital gains taxes and buy another property in cash. I uh, agree with part of it. Okay. I agree with the analysis of like, this is uh, the market gift you, gifted you the return of appreciation and high equity. Yep. Um, you know, not a great thing to refinance um, or pull out cash in one form or the other. Nope. Sell it. Um, I would lean towards doing a sell in 1031 uh, to avoid capital or, you know, not pay capital gains right now. But same thing, we're selling and buying more properties. Mm-hmm. So with this, you're going to walk away with what, yeah, $350,000 after some fees, fees and yeah. whatever, some inspection stuff. So $350,000 is a lot of money. 
go out there and buy a multi-unit. Or you might be like, a lot of times these investors, they have built great portfolios on like single family homes in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. And like, hey, that's why I keep investing. It's been good to me. There's always high demand. And a lot of investors, that is their comfort zone. Yeah. And even though they're not the always the best rental numbers, um, I can make a case for selling this and buying a few other properties in the a week or two ago, we released our state of the market for rental investing with landlords. Um, and we looked at a five bedroom, three bath house in Lakewood for about $575,000. All in at 25% down, you're about $150,000 all in. Okay. So, so you could buy right two there, of these. You could buy two of these. Yeah, two of these and probably put a little bit more money down. Now, here's the thing the annual cash flow is about $2,300 a year. So you're going to double some of your cash flow, but these are 5.7 cap rate properties. Yeah. Um, you're not going to get as much cash flow by buying another house, um, especially here in Denver, but you're going to buy two houses, maybe three properties if you sneak in a condo in there um, or put a little more money down, but you're buying uh, better performing rentals. You're staying in the single family asset class. And I think these like four or five bedrooms out in the suburbs are a great investment now. Because they're in the mid five cap rates. We haven't seen right. that for a couple of years. Right. And here's the thing if you want more cash flow, just put more money down. Yeah. Because right? if we put two of these, you'd actually be putting down like probably 35%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there you go. With the $400,000 yeah. you're going to walk away with. And now you'll cash flow five or $6,000 a year. Plus, you own two assets um, that have higher rents that are both um, appreciating. They're both appreciating. So now you went from one asset to two assets that are better rentals, more leverage, more cash flow. Mm hmm. Boom, trade right there. And this interest rate or this property is underwritten at 6% interest rate. Yep. So we're still writing at relatively today's terms, give or take half a point. Yep. Um, so wrapping up here, those are the properties. Uh, definitely recommend going back and listening to that again because we went through a lot. The condo is kind of a clear, probably do nothing, maybe put a second on there. Yep. Uh, the fourplex was debatable. Mm-hmm. Sell uh, and trade up or pull out some cash or sit on it. The house, but definitely increase the rents on the fourplex. Oh yes, definitely increase the rents and clear on the house. To if you really want to find an opportunity portfolio, go out there and sell and trade up or buy cash and pay some taxes. Yeah, that's Chris's advice versus Joe's advice. Yep, both are kind of correct. I would say (laughs) that sounds right. It's like appraisers. We're both right. That's right. That's exactly right. (laughs) So. Um, we're going to in future podcasts. There's a lot more advanced strategies for uh, landlords with portfolios. You know, Joe and I have done cost seg studies this year, done bonus depreciations. There's some really advanced 1031 exchange, exchange techniques you can do to trade up and actually pull some cash out of the property as well. Mm-hmm. So we're going through a lot more advanced strategies in future podcasts. But to end this, what is next in your portfolio? What is your next move? Our classic answer is it depends. There's no right or wrong answer. Um, went through lots of metrics here. Joe and I agreed on some stuff. We disagreed on some things. Mm-hmm. Not right or wrong, but those are our points of views. And this is something that we really try to do value adds to our clients with. Um, you know, as realtors and lenders, we can often be commoditized. Hey, you do this with everyone else. Yes, we do that. But there's also the advice, the experience. Hey, we're investors too. We've done hundreds of these with clients. We'd love to share advice as well. So please reach out to me. Please reach out to Joe's office. We'd love to sit down with you and go through these numbers and we help figure out what the next best move is. So Joe, I always appreciate your time and advice. So thank you. Thank you for having me. I could talk about this stuff all day, every day. So I really appreciate it. And anybody that has questions, give us a holler. All right, Joe, thank you. Listeners out there, hit up with questions, leave your comments and let's know what advanced strategies you want to do in your portfolio. And if you agree or disagree with some advice Joe and I gave. We'll see you next week. 